everybody and welcome to the sunny 16 podcast you have the benefit and the delight of all three of the team here with you this evening to entertain you to brighten up your commute uh your drive to the countryside for the weekend uh the bit where you go and sit in a corner and put the headphones on so you can't hear the kids screaming i don't know whatever anyway let's break with tradition and say hello to rachel first rach how you doing oh hi ed i'm good thank you not too bad all good up here in liverpool thanks ah and has it still been as sunny as it was last week when we were talking about golf i no <laughs> uh, quite the opposite unfortunately um i i checked the weather the other day and it simply said downpour that was all it said <laughs> just downpour um so yeah so i've been back in the winter i had to raid the wardrobe find out all the old winter clothes put those back on i got the boots back on um so yeah it's uh it's been pretty pretty wet up here um i'm uh going to be shooting a wedding at the weekend and it's also uh predicted some uh some rain for that so uh we shall see that'll be that'll be more challenges <laughs> yeah it sounds like yes shooting a wedding must be hard enough uh more about that in a bit i guess yeah. uh, graham how you doing buddy welcome yeah. back to the show <laughs> it's good to be back i can't believe you guys banned me from being on last week there's a big big sign saying no graham's welcome here um but i forced my way through and i'm back um it was great getting to listen to the show last week uh declan was awesome and you guys were great and it's it's really nice to just sit back and go well it's fun to hear the conversation and not have to um think about it for once so yeah although you did talk about cricket on it um which i would definitely not have let happen talk about cricket on our podcast for goodness sake well what's what's things coming to there but no well i was going to do a secret camera bag episode (laughs) you know that was definitely like whilst you whilst you were unavailable i thought you know what i'll sneak in some talk about a camera bag (sighs) i did see it on the show notes as well you you actually did seriously think about talking about a camera bag because you bought a new camera bag even though you've already got like 50 of them who needs i don't think i do have 50 of them i may have three or four well this is important because this is about my big trip my my big photography adventure trip at the end of the year to bhutan so you know i i had to uh, figure out what was the biggest bag that i could get that would be allowed to be carried on and and to a plane and how do i fit all my camera gear in it and things like a toothbrush because i'm going to be traveling on about three flights and I, there's a, probably a very high chance that my luggage won't keep up with me so <laughs> You want to get one of those Sainsbury's bag for life, so you can get loads in those. And just <laughs> wang it all in. Or the IKEA ones. Yeah, even better. <laughs> nice and bright as well. You won't lose it. No, no, that's a very good point. A very good point. Well, I tell you what. Seeing as you haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks, why don't you give us all your news? What you've been up to? Well, it's the summer holidays here for the kids, um, which is why it's raining, and. Last weekend, I had my boys and we went up to visit my mum, which was nice. And my mum lives very close to the exciting destination that is the West Midland Safari Park. Um, The West Midland Safari Park is a safari park located... um, Kind of Westish Midland, I would say. And (laughs) it's great. It's... um, very British, very kind of low-key in a lot of ways. Um, but you, you go there in your car and you, you drive around um, and see all the animals there roaming around. So they had um, 
rhinos and giraffes and zebras and they had lions and tigers and white tigers and even white lions um and wild white lions dogs. yeah they white lions well oh. they, they, they were called white lions they were more a kind of a creamy color if you ask me but they were called <laughs> ones and they had bengals so they had loads of really cool stuff um the coolest ones because some of them really, really would come right up to the door of your car because um they you could buy feed to feed certain animals not not the lions on tigers and they weren't giving you sirloin steaks you could going. buy dead monkeys or something <laughs> yeah. you could buy an antelope <laughs> um so um you could um so the it was actually a bit of a pain in the neck because it made lots of traffic jams but you'd get um these uh like not deer but um, that kind of things, these big African um, grazing animals coming over and feeding at the cars, and even giraffes. So you get this awesome thing where you've got two lines of cars because it's a two sort of street thing, and um, and giraffes just walking between them. And holy cow, giraffes are real big. Turns out, real <laughs> tall. So you look out your window at something's kneecaps, like jeez. Um, so that was really awesome, and obviously. <laughs> If you're going out with something, like you have to take a camera with you. Even though I was driving, this was the one floor. So um, following on from the success that I haven't actually checked out yet, with the sports day shooting, I went, well, it's got to be long lensing it again. So I found another different um, long lens. I can't remember what this one's called either. But I think it's my, not a solid or something like that, though. Some other um, cheap... Uh, I think it's a Japanese lens, but it's not a particularly well-known brand. Um, uh, 35 to 200 millimeter zoom lens. Um, and so I try to grab shots out the window every now and again. It was a pretty dull day. And it, it really makes you aware. And I think when you're shooting film, you're always thinking about these things more. Because especially if you're shooting black and white, I'm always thinking about these things more. Because you're thinking about contrast. You know you're only in black and white. Um, and I was shooting HP5 because I wanted to get some speed. Um, and you go, it's been a fairly hot, dry summer. Uh, and so the grass is all a bit yellowy and brown. And guess what animals are? <laughs> They're kind of yellowy and brown. Yeah. A lot of them. Oh, this is going to look rubbish. But um, I t- tried grabbing a few shots. And... It, but it's amazing how much time some people were spending taking photos. Because you, you saw everybody was there, either either with their phones or with these big fancy DSLRs, um, super long lenses on. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was fun. I kind of I wish I hadn't been driving um, because that would give me a bit more chance to do it. But yeah, it's nice to click away and get a few shots. Um, and I definitely recommend anybody who finds themselves in the West Midlands go to the um, safari park because as well as the safari park, which you drive through, and that takes about an hour. By the end of which, your children are bored. <laughs> it's like, look, giraffes. I'm just bored of being in the car now. No matter what animal you put in front of me, I am going to be bored. Unless there's no monkeys there, but I think unless there have been monkeys throwing um, shit at the window then they would not have been amused. But they've also got, like, roller coasters there, proper good roller coasters. Um, and so what's my photos from the animals might not be very good. You know when you go to a theme park and they've got the roller coaster with cameras on, you have to get the best pictures possible. Um, so, yeah, me and my boys, I, I was educating my boys, and look, suss out where the camera is and pull the best faces. So, you know, we've got jazz hands going down the log flume and um, all of that stuff. So... I had a great time doing that. Came back with lots of keyrings of all our adventures. Um, and the other thing about being away, 
uh, with my mum because um, I got this Polaroid we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, my fancy one six hundred Pro, and I'd taken that lovely selfie of myself. And I think I took one picture of Sinead, and then I took the camera with me. Uh, up to my mum's and thought, well, I'm only here for a couple of days. I'm actually going to use it to shoot the whole pack of film just on this little holiday break thing. And it was because we were mostly, I didn't take it on Safari. I figured that might not work out terribly well. And also the film was pretty, pretty baked, also brown and yellow. So it might have been great for the Safari animals. Um, but I used it all just taking pictures of the boys and their nan and my grand, and all of us together. And it's quite nice to have like a little pack uh, they're all in the frame now all together it's like well that was that little whole day away mm-hmm. and it certainly made me think next time i go away i'm probably going to get another pack of um instant film and just blast that all out because it's it's a nice finite instant record of the thing that you've just got there ready to go um and everybody loves the instant pictures um yeah, it was just quite good fun. And the camera did fine. You know, it's that, that 1600 is pretty good. Um, it's really hard to judge the quality of it because the film's so knackered. But they all came out. So, um, so yeah. Graham, that- was, this, was this the camera that you devalued? devalued by about £200 by opening the box? Yes, that, that one? it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, still going strong. So that's lucky. I um, well done. Definitely, definitely <laughs> don't regret throwing away all that money in a haphazard fashion but uh no so that was good so um but yeah the summer holidays uh we were talking before we started recording about how difficult it is keeping kids occupied and amused and finding stuff doing it always seems to be a very busy time of year but hopefully there might be some more photo opportunities coming up because i've got a i regrettably been forced to spend more time with my children over the summer holidays so i'm gonna try and get some more <laughs> pictures of them <laughs> what have you guys been up to you've been doing more interesting photographic stuff than me I suspect. Well, I don't know. Actually, I, I'm not. I'll tell you what I've been doing this week more than photographing. Photograph, yeah, is um, is actually the sort of post production stuff. So I I finished another role in the reality so subtle, uh, and I finished the the role I had in the uh, Yashika TLR that M lent me, and so they they went back, and I thought to myself, I'm re- I'm I'm going to do this you know scanning with the digital camera thing again on the on the light table and. And uh, this time it's colour, so that was interesting because um, uh, you know there was more processing to do to to balance the colours than there was you know just doing the black and white, which was relatively straightforward, quite frankly. So I um I and I switched up the lenses, so I am now shooting still using my Fuji digital camera, but I'm now shooting the 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 negatives with the 75 millimeter Bronica lens. <laughs> So as uh, uh, I tried the the 150 mil Bronica lens, but I, my my tripod was too short <laughs> for the minimum the minimum focus distance on my 150 is something like it says uh, it says one and a half meters on the. Uh, on the the lens itself i think it's a smidge more than that to be honest i think there's a little bit of marketing ambition in there um uh so i couldn't actually get my tripod high enough uh, to focus on the uh, focus on the negatives it was only missing out by a few inches but it was it wasn't high enough so i thought okay well if i can't use the 150 i use the 75 and the 75 has got a really really short uh minimum focusing distance mm. it's about well it says it's 
0.6 of a meter uh, 60 centimeters but i don't think it is i think it's less than that um so uh, i know you have to measure to the the film plane or the sensor etc rather than the front of the lens but i still think it's it's not quite the 60 centimeters but maybe it is so actually um my 75 millimeter bronica lens i can focus closer than my 85 mil nikon lens and i can get bigger scans of my images so those you must justify the expense of getting that dumb lens adapter after only two years (laughs) do do you know what i was thinking actually i think you actually talk about this aid in the very first episode of sunny 16 podcast you talk about this this lens isn't that funny that it's finally has come come into use which is good to know <laughs> okay so we've got two time frames there it's somewhere between a year and two years ago <laughs> i bought i bought the adapter that takes yeah the bronica to fuji x adapter and i've now found a use for it but uh yeah so it's uh it's been interesting actually so i i got those films back today um i was uh scanning them put, uh, posted a couple up on on twitter actually just before we uh we went and uh it's uh yeah that the 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 camera the reality so subtle very impressive i didn't do very well with uh uh with, with the tlr sadly i think a lot of my stuff was either out of focus or overexposed or both so, <laughs> <laughs> so that so that wasn't so good what, what, so what was it you found what because this is the first time you've shot with a tlr where do you think you went wrong with it uh where to start um <laughs> Uh, I, and this is not this is not a comment on the camera. This is a comment on me. But it, it, I just didn't get it right at all. So I, t- two things, two major things, I had trouble with. One was the composition, and it frustrated the hell out of me that when I moved one way, the image went the other way. <laughs> and and my brain, know, you know, I know that that's what's going to happen. I know that that camera reverses the image because you can see it. You look at it when it's still, and you can see, oh yeah, that's the other way round, isn't it? But actually getting yeah, actually the composition was frighteningly difficult for me and very frustrating uh and the other thing uh was the um it was the focusing so it but it wasn't really the focusing it uh so i couldn't really get to a point there was a sort of i had an eye relief issue if that makes any sense i couldn't get my eye to be a good distance from it that gave me a decent um, uh, a decent way of focusing and I couldn't do it with just the ground glass and I couldn't do it with the little magnifying lens either um, and so I don't know maybe if I'd had it on the tripod uh, that might have worked but I, I, I just didn't gel with it and and you know and you know not being able to actually make things work when I wanted to meant that I was reduced to taking shots of trees in the garden and you know uh, and uh, I couldn't take a photograph of anything that moved <laughs> So, uh, given that mostly I like to take photographs to people, that was a bit difficult. So, but thank you, Em, for lending me the camera. It was been a good learning experience, and even if I only qualified out of TLRs, at least I've <laughs> at least I've had a go. I'll have to lend you it, one of my Lubitels, eh? That'll definitely be a more positive experience for you. <laughs> give, give no, you, <laughs> no, I've seen your Lubitels. You couldn't see through it at all. <laughs> Just, <laughs> So yeah, so that was that was fun. Uh, what else have I been up to? Oh well, tomorrow I'm shooting a wedding for the first time, or at least part of a wedding, or at least part of the prep for a wedding as uh, uh, as a favour to a family member. So 
So, uh, yes, um, uh, listeners with better memories than me might remember that uh, some months ago I asked to shoot a family wedding and I was really, really scared. Uh, what happened was that the uh, the bride and groom uh, actually uh, reconsidered. Uh, I said, you know, I said I'd said to them, you know, I thank you for saying you like my photography, but the photography I do comes from a somewhat of a slow process and being able to sit quietly and consider things. Um, uh, and I don't think a wedding is good for that. So have a think about what you really, really want. And they've actually gone and hired a professional photographer for the ceremony, and they've asked me to shoot the bridal prep as. I have I got that right, Rachel? You're the That's professional right. here. Yep. Yeah, well the bride, the bridal prep. So I have to take photographs of a dress and flowers and things like that. And uh, my daughter is a flower girl, I think. Um, and so yeah, it'll be there'll be several yeah uh, young girls under ten who'll be dressing up and having their hair done and stuff like that, and and a couple of older bridesmaids. And so I'm going to have to shoot all of that tomorrow. Uh, so that's good fun. Okay, so um, first, the obvious question, are you shooting it on film? I asked the client, and the client said, please, can you shoot digital? <laughs> I cannot believe it. This is your sister-in-law, not a client, not getting paid. This is nonsense. I can't believe it. So what I am doing is I am taking my little Instax printer. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's all right. Fun. No, it's not the same as shooting film. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but apps, the the you know taking something that little printer to an event is it, it makes everybody has such a good time looking and waiting for the yeah. film to develop and stuff like that. It really is that kind of event photography. Really, is a sweet spot for instant. I don't know. I'm, I'm sad you're not taking your brony or something. That would have been an awesome place to take your brony and get lovely pictures with that. I know, I know, but um, I'm just not going to get the opportunity to do it having to shoot what I've been asked to shoot. I'm not going to get the opportunity to play around as well. And uh, then when I actually get to the ceremony, I'm going to have two children to wrangle and, and stuff like that. So um, it's going to be a busy, busy day tomorrow. So. I guess so, I guess so. Rach, you do weddings and stuff. I think you were saying mm-hmm. you've got one coming up, haven't you? Have you, have you shot film at weddings? <clears throat> Yes, yes, yes. Um, actually, it was quite nice um, listening to what you were saying about the safari trip, Graham, you know, and, and shooting that whole pack of your Polaroid in one, in kind of like one little package. Um, I, the wedding that I'm shooting on Saturday is for a couple who's, I did an engagement shoot for like a pre-wedding sort of thing. Gives the client a chance to relax a little bit in front of the camera because mm. generally we're not always that used to being in front of the camera. So gives me a chance to meet them and to kind of like, you know, get to build a bit of rapport with them, uh, but also get gets them used to the fact that you know i might be running around with lots of different cameras hanging off me you know and uh, and trying not to be too scared of that um so what was nice about that was i took them to a um a squirrel sanctuary and we also have a lovely a kind of like yeah, squirrel I'm sanctuary okay so red doors Shut up, you lot. Right, okay. So there's we have red squirrels in this country and they are quite endangered. So in um just up the road from here uh, in Liverpool, we have a beach and we have some beautiful sand dunes and we have uh, a red squirrel sanctuary. So I took them along to there um as it was where they had one of their first dates together, which was really lovely. And um I, I did their kind of like pre-wedding shoot there, um, which was which was fab. And uh, that was I shot quite a bit of that on um on analogue. Uh, my analog cameras um including a, a pack of the um instant film on my old 
Polaroid 600. So it was nice in the same way as Graham was talking about with his uh, Safari and kind of like making it into a little package. They all have had that kind of like consistency across across that pack of film um, because it was all like expired old impossible project film, uh, but shot on my 1980s Polaroid and uh, and they've got a very particular look to them. So they came out really nicely and I'm hopeful that I'll uh, I'll do some more of that um, on Saturday. I'll also take along probably um, a TLR and um, uh, my maybe my Olympus um, or something like that as well. So I've got a few different options for for a few different par- parts of the day. Um, I'd say for something like the bridal prep, you know, you could get away Aid, with maybe just taking along, you know, a little SLR or something. Or actually, Graham bullied you into getting uh, a point and shoot, didn't he? <laughs> so maybe take that along and you could try and grab a few little shots with that. Yes. That might be fun. That's that's not a, a bad idea, actually, although I, I'm not fully at the point yet where I trust that point and shoot. It's got a funny thing where when you wind it on, it's a double wind on it. But the uh, the the film winder lever on the other side of the camera doesn't always wind round. Yes, and you're I'm, not trusting it. Yeah, I'm not trusting yeah. it. I'm not trusting sure. it yet. But that's it's, But but I could. I suppose I could throw an SLR in the bag. I got. I've, I've got room. It's a lovely bag. Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Okay. I've so got to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I tell no, you what. Yeah. We've just had. We've just had one ridiculous story. I mean, uh, the human interest bit of your story, Rach. I like that, and I believe that totally. I do not believe that the reason there are no red squirrels in the south of england is because they all live on a beach just north of liverpool (laughs) (laughs) i will send you the coordinates you can come and visit i've never seen a squirrel at the beach (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe you guys don't believe me seriously they were they were normal red squirrels but they got sunburned didn't they (laughs) normal gray squirrels whatever anyway never mind so what rach what else have you been up to this week um uh, sorry, I've just gone for my beer then. Hang on. <laughs> I'll, come back to, I'll come back to my notes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what else have I been up to this week? Oh, yes, that's right. So um, I went along to a creative workshop um, the, uh, earlier in the week, which which was really purely for, for me personally because um, it, sometimes it all gets a little bit much, you know, running your own business and it, it kind of it can end up being quite um, – you get a bit stuck in a rut, don't you, with these things. So I thought, actually, I knew that this this workshop was coming up. It would be a chance for me to go and chat to other people who come from all different walks of life um, and uh, and hopefully get a little bit more inspired. And, uh, and I do think, actually, it's quite important to sometimes give ourselves permission to take some time and, um, and actually – you know sort of think about what it is that we want to achieve with our photography or with our cre- whatever creative um sort of output we have so that actually did really help it gave me some more ideas um gave me kind of like a bit of a you know a kind of um a kick up the bum to be like yeah okay um i can i can start working on some new things um after that i ended up going and speaking to a business coach because i realized that i got such a lot happening um and uh, i needed a little bit of help focusing my business and the conclusion from that was basically i'm a nightmare <laughs> um <laughs> and uh, the uh, the the very fact that i've got lots of ideas and lots of things that i get very excited about and then impatient about um can sometimes be of detriment <laughs> um to to me actually finishing things because i i do like to make sure that 
projects that I start, I finish. Um, but because I end up with lots of different ideas and I get very excited about something, um, it means I'm I end up taking on too much at once. So you know, I'm sure that we can all relate to that. Um, and this was my attempt at going. Actually, I could probably you know sort of put my hand up and say I could probably do with a little bit of help here just to try and help me focus. And um, they suggested maybe doing like a a 90 day business plan, which I think is actually quite quite a nice idea for um, things in terms of a creative project as well if you need some inspiration for for a creative project maybe look at what can you do over the give yourself a sort of a set restricted amount of days to do it or something like that you know um i think you and i talked about it a little bit last week you know um in terms of what's good and bad about having restrictions and and how they can help feed creativity and uh you know giving yourself a sort of a time scale for these things can can help and also doing it alongside somebody else as well maybe kind of a bit like going to the gym or or whatever which I don't do <laughs> um, but the idea isn't it that you help each other along if you're both you know aiming for a kind of creative goal it can help if you've got somebody alongside you also sort of cheerleading for you as well Go on. I, 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 I think it's one of these I mean I think you're absolutely right Rachel that a lot of these things you know, I mean, like you, I'm I'm a small business owner, small business personage <laughs> owner, um, and and I do think that a lot of the things that you have to think about are exactly the kind of things you have to think about when you want to take on a creative project. I remember years ago, um, when I was still uh, an employed person, and um, I was um, working in retail. I was uh, deputy manager of this big garden centre, and um, the um, CEO of the group came down. And for some reason, he seemed to feel that I needed some help on um, effective time management. I think he took one look at he, he, I had a desk there. And at one point, he took one look at it, went and put it in the bin bag and scooped the entire contents of it into the bin bag and threw it away because um, there was just so much paperwork everywhere that I was ignoring. <laughs> And um, and he gave me this book. He said, I've got this for you. And, and the book was all about... Um, like managing projects going forward and I'm sure Aid knows a lot about this because it's your business but about you know breaking things down into smaller and smaller chunks that you can then just do and tick off and do and tick off and like and actually get through something as opposed to starting something with a vague idea of yeah this is what I want to do um, mm. but but not having any like clearly defined steps along the way and yeah. so never actually getting anywhere with it um, mm. and I, I think it doesn't really matter whether it's a creative undertaking or a business undertaking um, if you don't have a bit of a roadmap planned out you're probably going to come unstuck at some point because yeah. starting things is real easy and real fun and finishing things is a real pain in the ass <laughs> do you know what um it, it it is something that's quite close to my professional life but it's something that i'm really bad at as well <laughs> i i like the early stages of things i like shaping things and setting things up and in that sense i do do things like planning and 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 what have you but uh i i even though my brain knows exactly how hard it is and exactly all the tricks and what have you to finish stuff i still hate finishing stuff so, <laughs> so in conclusion we're all pretty rubbish at this <laughs> Well, do you know what though? I I like your 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 comment there, Rach, about uh, having a a ninety day business plan actually, or having a time constraint. I mean, you know, Graham mm. and I did these projects for the first half of this year, and we we uh, we wrapped those up. My uh, 
uh, my chain reaction project and Graham's uh, myopic me project. And actually, you know, having a deadline made made a difference. Uh, um, six <laughs> months is possibly a bit too long on reflection because you know I, I let mine I let mine uh, stagnate for months in the middle there. So possibly six months was too long for me personally. But three months sounds good. Not long yeah. enough for me because I still haven't finished mine. <laughs> that camera's still in the van and i'm still using it i took some pictures this weekend well it's um, okay you're allowed to take pictures it's all right (laughs) i suppose one of those are the other projects that has that kind of time constraint constraint on it is things like the indisposable concept uh i don't know if you guys have come across that um which is looking at the disposable cameras and basically your 24 frames but you have to take them within a week so it's it's that on but on a smaller scale isn't it you know on a shorter time scale um but even that gives you those kind of restrictions and gives you those sort of you, you know sort of starting point um within that week you can shoot it all in one day you could shoot it all in an hour you know or over 24 minutes or 24 seconds you could literally take one each second mm. um but you know it's it's how it's what you do with that that week and those 24 frames isn't it you know and um and that's what makes makes each project unique so uh so it's it's quite a good starting point i think um yeah. and uh, yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to that it's again about going oh yeah actually if i just kind of give myself slightly more um you know define it doesn't have to be you know that i beat myself up if i don't if i don't manage to kind of like achieve all of these things but it will just help guide it a little bit more and i think creatively or from a business sense in both of those areas it's a good thing to do so yeah I'm interested with your business stuff, Rich, because obviously the the problem that you're bumping into is that you are so interested in doing so many different things, and mm. um, and you will need to focus. Uh, horrible and ever present pun intended. Um, <laughs> are there? Have you sort of had to, or or are you going to have to sort of sit back, look at your spread of? Um, things that you do and actually start whittling some things down or going actually this is the thing that I particularly enjoy doing or this is the thing Mm -hmm. that actually financially I ought to be focusing on this and are there some things that you think are going to become more um, prominent within your business as you start to figure things out because I know certainly for myself when I started working for myself what I was doing was a much more a mixed bag and a lot more of things that I just don't do at all now um, because 11 years on it's like no this is what works for me and this is what doesn't Mm. yeah absolutely I mean I think the thing is you're always learning you're always redefining you're always kind of like rediscovering and inventing and 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 you know continuing to hone those things down so um obviously when I started I kind of came into it with the idea of you know I love analog I want to go back to analog I want to help share that with other people um and the love of that and uh it's it's been a you know a roller coaster ride it's been the journey of ups and downs and what works best and and you you know you try a few things out and go okay well that took and that didn't maybe as well you know so I'll I'll redefine that a little bit and you're always sort of tweaking and and trying new things out um and yes, um, it's definitely something that I'm looking at um, to try and um, whittle bits down to to make them more of the focus for now. But I think that's just not to say that I wouldn't go back to them and look at them in the future. Um, but perhaps it's sort of putting them to more like compartmentalizing it slightly and saying, OK, that is, you know, that project. This is a, sec- a separate project, um, you know, and looking at in 
you know a linear time scale and saying what's the best time of year to look at this particular project you know because some might work better over winter others might work better in the summer um and it kind of just depends um on that so perhaps looking at it as a slightly more overall plan um and thinking about where these these projects might sit um and kind of doing it that way i think is going to work better for me how how big for you personally is the conflict between like the artistic and enjoyment side of what you're doing and the needing to put food on the table side of things. Because I mean, I, I get the feeling that you are a little bit like me in the sense that money's not really that interesting to you. But at the same time, it t- turns out you kind of need it. <laughs> How did you guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. You know, I, I do this for the love of it. And it, you end up with the point where you go, I absolutely love what I do. But you have to diversify in order to to continue to be able to, as you say, put food on the table and feed the dog and hang on to the house and all the rest of it. Um, I think um, I'm very also very conscious of how things come across um, on social media. You know, uh, it can be sometimes quite um you know influential as as a as a medium you know we see all these amazing these things that look great um but perhaps that's just on the surface there's a lot of other things that go that are going on behind the scenes now that's not to say that I don't absolutely love the projects that I do um and that's why I continue to do it and I'm really excited about about this and I don't see myself doing it anything else really you know this is kind of like yeah this is obviously what I've been building towards all these years and I had just hadn't realized it (laughs) um but but, you know, it, there is a balance, you know, there's a lot of um, hard work and late nights and, you know, crazy hours and things that go into um, being able to, like, put something like this together. And I think it's only through being diverse with what I offer that I've managed to kind of, like, keep it going so far because, um, you know, it's it's a case of, oh, you know, we've got this project or somebody comes up with an idea for that or I'll be like, oh, yes, I've just thought of this and how I can tailor that to work with what you're doing. And I've, I've kind of just sort of, like, edged my way in, sort of, like, elbowed my way in and gone, oh, there's a bit of analog. I can put a bit of that in here, you know. Um, I'm, I'm delivering some storytelling workshops, uh, which is actually for... A, digital from a digital perspective um but i'm concentrating on um stop motion animation because that's that's very handmade that's very much um an analog form uh, and format and a lot of the same principles um work within that as well you know as as they would with with any story that we tell with photography and and stills and what have you so um so it's a nice way of kind of bringing all of these threads together um, and trying to um, and trying to kind of like craft a way of making this work whilst also, you know, putting food on the table and, and paying the bills. So uh, it's a it's a constant challenge, but it keeps me on my toes. <laughs> So the other thing that's popped up this week is uh, the London Street Photography Festival, uh, which I saw coming up. Um, Obviously, people down there might well be interested in that. And um, I've just had a quick look at the About Us section, and it says the London Street Photography Festival is a non-profit international event based in London showcasing street photography, unsurprisingly. Um, The goal of the festival is to build a community and to establish and develop a platform for networking, learning and development through exhibitions, workshops, lectures, competition and associated events. So it sounds like it's going to be quite a good all-encompassing event. Uh, festivals taking place at Stour Space in London, that's E3, uh, 
on August the 25th till the 27th. So if anybody's around uh, in London and fancies uh, getting involved in some street photography, I think that's probably a good place to go. It looks like they're going to be doing portfolio reviews, some contests, some different workshops and things like that. I think just generally going and speaking to people there, it's not necessarily all analogue. Um, I would I would hope that there'll be some, some elements of analogue, but... Um, uh, hopefully that will be something that's quite a, an interesting festival. So uh, for those down south and in London, maybe pop along and see that. Yeah, it does look good, doesn't it? It's um, and I think they've got quite a broad swath of things that they're doing there. They say they've got portfolio reviews. Um, they've also got workshops going on. Uh, they've got contests running. Um, yeah, it, it should be very interesting. And um, you think you you pay to go and take part in it or um i guess take part in the um, workshops and stuff that they're doing so um yeah i mean i i I think it's one of those things where i would love to go and do something like this because i think while street photography is not a default thing for me but it's it's such a broad subject um that it can be so many different things and when you get to go to something where you can see people who spend a lot of time making this their art form and the places they can take it, the different things they can do. Um, it, it's it's amazing. I got a book for Christmas a couple of years ago. I think it's just called Street Photography or Street Vision or something. Um, and it, things that you... I don't know. It, it comes back to that thing I say over and over again, just seeing the world from a point of view that would never have occurred to me. You know, Spaces that might be familiar, but the, the way they've been approached just shows them the completely new light and I, and I love that um there's so much more to street photography than just capturing somebody sat underneath a bus stop or something um yeah mm. that, that should be really good should be really good i don't know where they're gonna have um uh like sharing the art and the stuff that people are shooting from there or not but um i hope so It'd be really cool mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, good. it's it's taking place in a very artistic and trendy part of town as well. So that that uh, that space that they're using is right next door to the Olympic Park. Uh, but funny enough, it's a, it's an area I don't know particularly well, but but my little sister lives around there, and um, and she she she's a, an arty type, and uh, so it's it's going to be in a good cultural place to visit as well. So yeah, plenty to see there for people who've never been to the Olympic Park or uh, other places uh, all around there. But uh, Sorry, Um, things like this are just uh, always awesome. We had not a street photography-based thing, but a photography um, thing in Oxford a few years ago. We may have mentioned it on here in the past, and you came up to have a look at one of the um, exhibitions, didn't you, Aid? It was our very first time meeting. It was indeed, and it was great because there was just (laughs) so much photography around to go and see, and and all different people's work, and and talking to Tina recently about um, Revelity and... Ah, there aren't enough of these things going on. There aren't enough opportunities to go and look at a diverse collection of work, and it's always awesome when you can. Um, I, I love doing stuff like that with my time. So, so let, let's talk about street photography a bit, because I know there's a lot of people that uh, listen to this for, uh, podcast that are quite into street photography, um, and uh, it's something that I've. Do I struggle with it? I don't know. 
uh, you know, let, let, let's uh, let, let's let's have a quick round the table, shall we? So, Rachel, what's your views on street photography? Are you a street photographer? Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Do you think it's intrusive? I I think it's fascinating. I absolutely I absolutely love it. I love seeing street photography. I it's something that I really want to learn to get better at. It's it's not something that I've done that much of, and um, yeah, it's it's something that's always held a fascination for me. Um, so I would I would definitely like to to do more of it, enjoy it more, um, I, you know, feel more in control of being able to do that. I suppose um, when you mentioned intrusive, that it immediately makes me feel like yeah, you know, that that's what holds me back from <clears throat> from doing more of it. I think is is simply because I'm not that good at being particularly subtle especially when you've got your film cameras and things it can be a little bit more difficult um what i do enjoy about some of the analog cameras that we have is you know you top down viewers you can be a little bit more surreptitious about it you know it can be a little bit more discreet um things like your point to shoot you know your min arcs and what have you they're nice and small and i think declan mentioned it actually last last week when we were speaking to him um about you know using those kinds of cameras can can mean that you're a bit freer to be able to capture those those kinds of images um but yeah it, it equally they can also be quite difficult when they're the ones where you're having to try and guess distances and and things so being able to get it in focus at the right point um to capture that decisive moment you know um can be very can be very tough um and i can see why it's it's very much an art form especially in analog you know trying to capture those those very very you know sort of split second moments um whereas you know with digital perhaps you've got a lot more uh, scope to be able to capture that split second because you've got your split seconds leading up to it and afterwards and you know you don't have to worry um as much about capturing that that very precise shot um so yeah it, it's absolutely fascinating to me and i think it's wonderful and i would i would like to do more in summary there we go do you have any uh, techniques that you use, Rachel? Because you were talking about focusing in particular, and that's one of the main things that when you're shooting analogue or, or even just using old lenses that you don't have autofocus. Mm. What what um, workaround do you use for that? Do you sort of trap focus, or um, how do you sort of try and make that work for you? Um, I think generally it would be, you know... I because I don't like really being up close and personal in people's faces, I tend to do it as more of a, an overall scene, I suppose. So um, going for more of a, an infinity focus is, is my workaround. You know, it's like if I go for infinity and I, I do it more as a, an overall uh, scene that I'm looking at as a, as a whole, rather than focusing on one particular person or up close, um, that feels more comfortable to me, I think as a photographer. The How about yourself? Mm. I found the. I mean, I don't do it a great deal, but I, I found the past um, that by setting the focus, um, the focusing distance. I think I was probably out with my um, Yoshika Electro thirty five or something like that. By setting the focus at around ten feet, it was the nice thing was, and this was on a reasonably sunny day, so there's a bit of wiggle room either way. For one, I you know you knew what the focusing distance was, but also by choosing the, that distance, you're kind of saying. That's where I want to get to with people. If I want to get this picture, that's how far away I need to be. So it, it's um, it was almost pushing me 
to kind of go, well, they're closer to this thing. Um, <laughs> or if somebody's coming towards you, you know, it's like that Star Wars moment, like, stay on target, stay on grab it. Um, <laughs> so, Be very brave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, but I, I wonder whether you could, you could use it as a bit of a kind of a motivator to just kind of help you get over that. Um, and also, if you've got it set to focus like that, you really can just whip it up to your eye and fire. You don't need to think about it at all. If, if you set it up so that the you know, there's nothing to do apart from press that button it can mm. really free you up um to be so, so does it so there's there's a, there's a question right mm. so if you're talking about setting your focus to challenge yourself does that mean you're going to get there and you're going to get in people's faces or at least sort of 10 feet away and 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 that's giving you some really great shots is that what's happening well, I mean, ten feet away isn't really up in people's faces, is it? I mean, that's particularly on like I said, this was a camera that's a thirty-five millimeter lens, so it's quite still quite wide. Um, and I mean, I, I think it's. I'm certainly not. I haven't got any great pictures ever in my life, so this was not going to be the thing that suddenly solved that problem. But um, I think it certainly did mean I took pictures that I might not have done if I'd had to walk up to somebody, stopped, and then focus the camera slowly um so i think it i think yeah, it I did motivate that, yeah. me more to do that you know i think i've got a picture of a guy on riding a bike whilst eating a bag of crisps and <laughs> um you know and i'm like okay he's coming towards me and and because i was waiting for him to get close enough you know he knew he was having his picture taken and it's but that's a picture that i quite like it's from a few years ago now um so yeah i think it it did it, it, it does help a bit i mean i i like rachel was saying earlier i you know there's still so, I, so much more of a learning curve i think you know i'm barely stepped onto that ride um but i did find that it was at least because you you just have this preconceived idea approach in your head of like well this is roughly where i want to be and i'm not saying that's the only you know that everybody should be that far away or anything like that sure. but but when you're trying to overcome this fear of being anywhere near people it's it's another nudge in the right direction it's some conditioning so yeah i can see how that would work i mean it's it's yeah i i struggle with with street photography myself in in taking you know pictures of people that are very definitely of a person yeah uh yeah where where uh where i suppose i struggle with the whole point about inter, um be, being noticed and interfering um not not because it spoils my photo but more because i'm just a bit of a coward in that way <laughs> um but it's yeah it, it, it's uh, i i i i this is why I think the sort of the psychology of street photography is really, really interesting because you do see some fantastic stuff. Um, and I just think sometimes I think oh, I could never do that. I could mm. never just go there and be 10 foot from that person and take their photograph. And uh, yeah, it's, um, I, know it's, I suppose we have, we, we, we've discussed this once or twice on the show before, but it's just, uh, yeah, it ne- never does any harm to, to have a, another point of view. And, and, the technique thing is interesting as well because I always keep my camera at infinity, but mm. that's not to do, that's nothing to do with street photography. That's just to do with my camera is always at infinity, and so I only ever have to turn it one way to focus. 
that sounds interesting yeah that's a good tip good tip i like that well um, it's it's not mine actually so i i got it off the internet believe it or not i think and i'm reasonably <laughs> sure right the, 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 this is very, i'm reasonably sure it's a kai wong thing you know the fella who used uh, to be on yeah. drtv yeah um, and I'm pretty sure I saw him do that once with uh, probably with a Leica or some kind of manual focus camera anyway. And I just thought that that's amazing. How come I never thought, <laughs> how come I've never seen this before? That's just such a good idea to have, yeah. a, you know, to have the uh, to have to only turn it one way. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you see, I haven't got a Leica, so I can't do any street photography. <laughs> no, 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 neither do I. There is that, isn't there? Yeah. Yes, Couldn't possibly. I don't know if it feels, in a way, you know, I was saying about the, the top-down view, you know, um, viewfinder. Is it is it creepier to have, like, a top-down viewfinder and kind of do it, you know, discreetly rather than, you know, bringing the camera up to your eye? I don't know which which is worse or better or, or what have you, because, you know, the minute you do bring, you know, you move your hands upwards, everybody knows you've got a camera, you're taking a photo. And I'm kind of, I'm torn between the two. I don't know which is better, really. I've never quite made myself comfortable with with either really you know one's like very very obviously like i'm taking the photo you know and the person that you're taking the photo of clearly as you mentioned the person on the bike they knew that you were taking the photo of them but the other way does that give you that chance to get that moment before they realize you know I mean, I think the thing is that most cameras that have a top-down viewfinder are quite large. So you are essentially standing still in the middle of the street staring down into this box. So, I mean, <laughs> it's discreet in some ways in that people might not be aware of what you're doing, but they're definitely aware you're doing something weird. It's like, what is going on there? Because, and they hear the noise of the shutter afterwards, of course, as well. So I think it's okay. I've, I've not um, spent enough time out with a TLR um, on the street to sort of get... I, I think I did take it out, actually. I, I know I have taken it out in Oxford and, and taken a few pictures with it. I don't think it's any... I don't think it's any sneakier. Um, and I think in some ways, it's because it is a bit different, I think that difference makes people perhaps a bit more... Um, accepting of having their picture taken. I think, well, what, you know, this is something a bit out of the ordinary. And... Uh, there are so many digital cameras, and everybody knows that you know with digital you just a picture's worth nothing. So it, I, I think in some ways that that might be part of the reason why people are a little bit more like oh, you know it's it's really hard to say oh you look really good I want to take your picture because if you're shooting digital it's like well you're just taking pictures because you can take a million pictures. But when somebody sees that, oh, that's a bit unusual. Oh, yeah, it's a film camera. You know, it's like, oh, that's nice. Oh, can I take your picture? Then suddenly it's like, oh, oh, you want to use this fancy thing to take my mm -hmm. picture? Um, I um, follow the work of a, a photographer in Oxford, a guy called um, Nasir Hamid, whose um, work I've enjoyed for quite a few years, actually. And he... Um, works in Oxford and I mean uh, this is certainly how he started off he'd go out during his lunch break and just take pictures portraits really nice portraits a lot of them were of the shop owners and some of the nice um, fancy shops around Oxford you know tailors and stuff like that um, and you know builders and just people he was out there meeting and a lot of time he was using medium format cameras or even large format cameras um, and getting some lovely pictures and, and really engaging with the people and I do think that sometimes the equipment you're using can help you engage um, mm. 
because people will come up and go, what's that? I, I, I mean, I've certainly found that when I've been out with um, pinhole cameras now, before now, when I've been out with my on people come and go, what are you doing there then? Uh, and, mm. you know, and it will express an interest. Um, yeah. and, and once you've got that connection there, it gives you a chance to do something more. I think it's far easier to do that with an old film camera than it is with a modern piece of plastic. Um, mm. Because they catch people's attention, and and you have to use every weapon in your arsenal <laughs> to get get in there and get people's attention. So, mm. yeah, I, it's good. I I think yeah, I think going with a TLR. Because like I said, my little Yashica um, T3 has got a, a waist level viewfinder. My eyesight's not good enough to use it, but that is discreet. I mean, you could hold that down, or you could always do. It's one of the Lomography. Um, the constructors. I was going to say, you yeah. know, they're, they're top-down view and uh, have used those before for, to, to have a go with that. And they came out with varying successes. <laughs> That's constructive for you. But you can yep. also just do one of the... Um, I don't know whether you still even have this on their website, but there was this sort of Lomography tenants, wasn't there, uh, of things that you should do if you're going to be shooting Lomography. And one of those things was always shoot from the hip, which um, I'm not sure about that. Oh, all right. When you said tenants, I thought you were talking about drinking while you'd use <laughs> I think I meant to say tenants. One of those words was definitely not right. <laughs> so I was just thinking, what do they go about? They make, it, make a, a camera out of a beer can and, and <laughs> pretend you're drinking in the street, but actually be taking somebody's <laughs> photograph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that would also work. Yeah, um, but you know, that thing—if if you can practice and get good at shooting from the hip, that's quite a good way of discreetly. I'm actually—I'm having a look. I can't remember why I was thinking. I was looking for some pictures on Flickr, and I'm actually on there now. And I'm looking at um, a picture I took using a pinhole camera, using a uh, my converted um, SLR pinhole camera. Whilst we were stood chatting, somebody thought, oh, "I'm going to just discreetly, whilst I'm just holding it at waist level, just take a pinhole picture of this guy." Um, and obviously, what that means is I've got essentially a pinhole picture of his groin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a yeah, close that's, up. Don't that's worry, not creepy guys. at all. Stand, no, stand no. still. Don't move your groin while I take this photograph. It's a very yeah. long exposure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't aware as we did, but he's like, yeah, I'm not great at um, waist level photography, but but with a wide enough angle lens, you know, like if you're using one of the Vivitar ultra wides, or if you've got a really wide angle lens on your camera, um, then you know, waist level shooting could be quite good i mean you have to allow enough room for cropping the hell out of things as the angles are all likely to be very wonky but that could be another good way of discreetly getting some interesting stuff was that just is that even more creepy than your waist level viewfinder thing? <laughs> I, I, I i don't know I, I, I it this is this is what makes it such a, a a topic fraught with uh with difficulties isn't it because there's so many ways you can interpret all of that stuff uh i, I don't know i think i'll go with uh i think it's more honest to point a thing uh point a camera at somebody's face uh but i'm most of the time i'm uncomfortable about doing that so for me street photography is not really my thing and when I take photo- photographs in the street, I'm probably a bit more like Rachel. Actually, I'm probably doing more sort of landscape photography than I am uh, landscapes with people in them, uh, but landscape rather than uh, any anything particularly. Uh, 
To be fair, I, I do I do enjoy the fact, you know, that those kinds of images show how people interact with an urban landscape or, you know, I, I do find that actually quite interesting anyway. Um, there is a reason. It's not it's not just cowardice, <laughs> I hope. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, I wasn't making that. I wasn't making no, no, a judgment know, on you. It was know, more about me. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. Right. But um, I just sort of it was just the thought going through my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, it is because I, I like seeing that it kind of gives, you know, buildings context in terms of the scale as well you know if you've got a person in it, it does make it easier to read as a as a an environment so I think that's why I quite like I quite like having it from that bit further back as well yeah I can get yeah totally with that actually I I like to see it is an interaction isn't it that's a really I I, I don't know that I could have uh found that form of words on my own but so so thank you for doing that but it's um I think it is uh there's an element of this is a uh uh, not not like an ant's nest but this is a whole bunch of of people you know reacting with their surroundings and doing stuff and and sometimes that creates some tension or something funny or something just plain interesting Mm. and you also get the people's work you know like people who were friends with me follow like um bill owens and um ken hindle may the rutland flyer on instagram who aren't really capturing people at all you know they're out on the streets but they're capturing the architecture or, or the hidden alleyways and corners and stuff like that and I, I enjoy that stuff too because oftentimes that's that's the stuff that you're just not paying any attention to you're, you're not looking up and looking at the details you're not looking at actually how things are one building is weirdly juxtaposed with one behind it or to the side of it and so I, that's, I said that's the great thing about having a, a camera with you when you're out in the streets is that there's so many things there to be captured and the more you look around the more you're going to find and um yeah it's, it's such a fertile ground for taking pictures I, I i love it no matter what no matter what aspect of it works for you mm. I, I love seeing all of it should we give the um the website as well just so that people if they are interested want to go along to the festival it's um www.lspf.co.uk so if you're interested in the London Street Photography Festival, there you go. Go along and, and discuss some more, I think. So here we are again, then, as we get to put this point every week uh, where we do like to say hello to people that we've been chatting with on the Internet, uh, shout out about things that we've seen. Uh, occasionally, uh, this gives us an opportunity to provide some useful feedback to people occasionally. Um, and uh, we'll give Graham first go, I think, this week at, at, uh, at uh, potential usefulness uh, Graham, you've had an email, I believe. We certainly have. We've actually had a couple of emails from the same person. This is an enthusiastic new emailer. So um, I want to say a big thank you to Malcolm Myers uh, for getting in touch with us. So I'm going to read um, his first email. It's quite short. Um, but I, I've just found your podcast via the recent Hamish Gill interview and started back at number one. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I mean, we're... 
episode 61 now it seems like an insane number but here we are anyway um i'm enjoying them all so far and take my hat off to both of you as you can clearly out talk me on photo gear which i am seriously impressed by i've been taking photos since about 1982 when i was 13 and have about 30 cameras of different sizes and styles i do my own black and white developing at home and i'm intrigued about using the tetanol kit for c41 haven't got to that podcast yet but they have been keeping me company on my four-hour motorway journeys so thanks for that um I am no great photographer, never will be, but I always enjoy taking portraits of people close to me and that makes memories for the future. So I'm completely on board with that. And um, and then got a follow-up one, which is great. So there's some really good tips on this. So I just need to find it. Okay. Um, he's currently on episode 13. This email came later in the same week and he got up to episode 13 already. You're going to do yourself an injury, Malcolm. It's not going to do you any good. Um <laughs> Slightly safer territory, though, episode 13. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's got some thoughts anyway, so you have to delve back in time with some of these things. Um, as he mentioned in the last one, I've done a lot of black and white developing and darkroom work, but I've never tried C41 as I thought the temperature stability might throw me, but he's keen to try it out now. So that's awesome because um, you do C41, don't you, Rach? I don't, no. What? Oh, good <laughs> grief. I don't, well, Graham, no. Well, Sorry, um, yeah, go on. Why don't you do it? Um, to be honest, with with the workshops that I do, I tend to stick very much to introduction to analog, and um, I find that actually the the magic that you can you can create from black and white actually helps um, helps getting people excited and interested and want to go and learn more and do do that later on. Um, but actually, as an introduction to it, uh, I find black and white's nice and simple and easy to to get to grips with on a quicker basis and get them enthusiastic and ready to go. So that's why I stick with that, really. But you, you shoot colour film, so why don't you develop your own colour film? Um, because I'm trying to run my own flipping business, Graham, and it takes a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, feeble, feeble excuse. Um, I don't know, that do. sounds like a pretty good reason to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can't be trusted with these kind of questions. Um, you should give it, it's really, it's really easy, Rage. If you can do black and white, it's not that much longer. Um yeah. When all right, next thing for Malcolm. When I load a film, I always use a hairdryer on the plastic reel first, just to get rid of any traces of water. Makes loading much easier. That's a good tip because we were talking yeah. last week about how much of a nightmare it can be if water gets anywhere near film when you're trying to get it into the um, film sleeves. And it's the same thing if you're using the old rollers, especially if you're doing more than one batch at a time. If you're sort of doing a couple of rolls of film getting them up and then doing a couple more if those reels are wet ooh, yeah that can be a problem um yeah. so a hairdryer is quite a good idea i don't have a hairdryer that's the only problem <laughs> i don't even have a hairbrush <laughs> which anybody who's ever met me or seen a picture of me will not be at all surprised i don't know a hairbrush or a comb um this style believe it or not completely natural um uh, another tip for his loading, I cut the front corners off the film just to give it a tiny chamfer and stop it fouling as I load. Um, mm -hmm. Although I might get one of those film retrieval things now. See, I... They're I really good, by, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Do you, when you're doing your film loading, Rach, how do you do it? How do you get film from the film canister on through it? Are you into a dart bag, pull it all out, reel it all on? Yeah, yeah. See, I don't want why are any of you doing that? If you're doing 35mm, why are you doing that? You just start it off in the daylight. It's easy. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was talking, sorry, 120. I mean, you know, 
with oh, yeah, the, with that's... the backing. Yeah, you you have you have to kind of have to do that really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thirty five mil. There's there's no problem with that in day in daylight because you've already you know exposed the first you know section anyway, haven't you? So yeah. when you're loading the camera, so yeah, absolutely. There's I'm no so glad because that. that's that's one of those things that I just can't believe I never saw anybody recommend that <laughs> before I started developing films. Like, what? This is the most obvious thing. So I can't believe it. Um, the next thing. This is uh, relating. I think must be two conversations about Remjet in the past because it's talking about washing soda. As you can get washing soda, you can get from any old-fashioned hardware store. Do you know what washing soda is, Rach? Hmm. Right. I think washing soda is that going to be similar to what's used in Cafenol, potentially. Mm. No, I I don't know because don't that's know. because that's washing soda as opposed to baking soda, which you can change baking soda into washing soda or vice versa or something. I believe um, because you can't always get one or other depending on which country you live in and i think washing soda and vitamin c uh, and what have you there there are obviously main ingredients for the caffeinol alternative process where you you actually develop using coffee um but uh there's a way of making it into washing soda from baking soda i think or the other way around thanks Rachel. do you want, do you want a quick do you want a quick little google result yeah, gone because yeah, I'm go more on. confused now than I was before I asked Rach. Sorry, sorry. Go okay, on. I think it. I think uh, this is from an American website, so maybe maybe it's a a, a more uh, global term. But here we go. Washing soda, also known as soda ash, is yeah. a chemical compound that can be used to remove stubborn stains from laundry and is an essential component in most blah, 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 laundry stuff. Um, washing soda should not be confused with baking soda, although the two compounds are closely related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I believe, I believe you can change one into the other or do something to its chemical makeup to, to make it usable in caffeinol. Yeah, it's also known as sodium carbonate, if that yes, means anything. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. It says, think... what are the uses of washing soda? I suspect washing is probably one of the... <laughs> yeah. I think the reason it came up is because it's um, often comes up in when talking about getting rid of Remjet on the um, Sydney film. And so I suspect that that might be where I was talking about it, which is handy, actually, because I have got another role of that that I need to develop. And I bought some remjet remover but it does still say get some washing soda on there so um i will try and track some of that stuff down because i need to get those pictures developed the last tip uh, the last one's a real doozy i really like this um so i talked in the past about my problems with scanning in uh 4x5 negatives um from ronald because my scanner the epson isn't it won't scan negatives that large. It will scan 120 width negatives, but it won't scan any wider than that. And so to do a 4x5, you have to do it in two pieces and then stitch it together, which isn't a problem, except that the scanning software with the colour negatives can correct the two different negatives. It can set them at different colour tones, and it can, so that can be that's been a problem anyway. And in the, in the incredibly brief amount that I've tried, that's been a problem. So... What Malcolm suggested is get a 10 by 8 light box upside down on top of the scanner. So basically then you can scan anything up to that size, which is a great idea because then you've got the light shining straight through. Um, so I might actually look into that. Um, 
makes sense, doesn't it? I'm not missing mm. anything. But yeah, that seems like a really good way of getting around that problem. And a, a light box is certainly an awful lot cheaper alternative than replacing my scanner with one that will do um, 4x5 negs. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to look into that. Oh, a great idea that I would uh, never have thought of. So yeah. Um, Thank you very much for that, Malcolm. That was wonderful. And uh, I did send Malcolm an email saying that um, uh, he needs to get involved in the Cheap Shot Challenge. Um, so uh, hopefully he will be doing some good work there as well. Um, oh, hang on. There's a follow-up on the scanner here. Yeah. Uh, mm. Oh, so hang on. So it made the scanner may default to two and a quarter inch wide when scanning because it thinks that's all it's capable of. Oh well, we'll figure it out. I'm gonna have a go at it though. I like that idea. And Malcolm also left us an iTunes review, which was great. Thank oh. you very much, Malcolm, for leaving us an iTunes review. We've got a couple of iTunes reviews this week. Um, there's another one actually. I don't very often read the iTunes reviews, um, and I think it turns out I've apparently now closed down. I don't know where there is. Um, but there's another one there's, uh, from um, iTunes user Johnny R33 who said, uh, I downloaded episode one a year ago. I've only just got around to listening to it. It's <laughs> actually pretty good. Um, it said, you know, admittedly, I, I'm only on the first episode and it may be crap by now, but, you know. <laughs> but thank you very much for leaving a review. I really like that. That made me laugh. I'm going to have a very clear. Have we got any reviews in the American store? How are they doing? Because the Brits are actually catching up, which is great, um, because they were quite quite a long way by. No, no new ones in the American store. So mm. come on, USA. You, you need to you know, pull up your game. You're getting caught up here. Um, yeah, that's me done. Sorry, I got distracted there. <laughs> Carry on. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. I'm sure all our listeners love like listening to you click around the internet in search of compliments <laughs> <laughs> well I mean the one I read out was barely a compliment it was like well they were good a year ago they probably stink by now <laughs> oh no well we've just upped our game we've got a new team member you know spicing it up and you know it's, yeah, we're, we're going from strength to strength right okay and speaking of which Rachel I, I think you've got a couple of shout outs for this week as well yes that's right uh, and also thanks to Malcolm from me as well that's lovely um, uh, so my shout outs this week there's um, somebody on Instagram who I follow called Nico Sam. So they are at N I K O S A M. Uh, they seem to do lots of pinholes and quite dramatic bits of red scale. Um, some of it is um, shot on standard 35mm, but others that they do are, are panoramic and uh, yeah, um, interesting atmospheric uh, shots. So they're somebody that I follow and enjoy quite a lot when they pop up. So I suggest you all go and uh, have a little follow, have a little look, see if it's for you. Um, the other shout out is for somebody called Killian uh, Idsinger. Uh, hopefully I've pronounced that correctly um, they're the editor of Let's Explore magazine they're based in the Netherlands and he sent us an email and I'm just going to bring it up now so I can have a quick look he says um, hi guys hope you're doing well uh, first of all I'd like to congratulate you on an amazing show isn't that nice um, he says it's an absolute joy to listen to and it actually makes me chuckle out loud sometimes laugh out loud excellent um, so uh, we just wanted to give a little shout out to Killian and say thank you very much for your email for getting in touch and hopefully we'll be chatting to him some more at some point soon there excellent. we go those are my Good. two shout outs for this week 
<laughs> All right. Well, I have uh, just the one, actually. And this re- this relates to a Twitter conversation we've been involved with today. Actually, Rach, you and I have both been involved in yes. this. Um, and uh, so this is uh, somebody we've mentioned uh, at least once before on the podcast, uh, a chat called Mark Jimmy Hickford. Uh, and uh, his Twitter handle is M0MJH. And uh, he uh, he's clearly got uh, some ideas whirring around in his brain. Uh, good luck with all of those, Mark. Because <laughs> uh, uh, so, the tweet that he put out today was uh, can a photographer make decent money shooting film in the modern digital world and uh, so uh, I connected both Rach and and uh, Hamish into this you know, but given that uh, uh, both of you are making uh, money out of analog work in a modern digital world but yeah mm-hmm. Rach have you got uh, any 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 hints and tips for Mark or any any harsh realities that or, sure. or any uh, golden bullets that will help him make him a million plenty of harsh realities i think sorry mark um i think you know as i was responding to him earlier on twitter i was just sort of saying you know the reality is it is it is tough um obviously what hamish does and what i do uh, myself are two very different areas obviously hamish is a lot more on the commercial side of things um so i can only speak obviously from my from my own personal experience um which is more along the education side uh, but also the entertainment you know with the with the weddings and 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 the commercial work that i do occasionally do um and all i can say is you know if you are absolutely passionate about it, you you kind of need that there to to kind of be your safety blanket, you know, to kind of keep you going in the in, through the dark days. But if you are really passionate about it, there's no reason why you can't make it work. I think you have to be relatively diverse. You have to uh, work on, um, you know, being entrepreneurial about what how you make projects work and and how you uh, look for new leads and how you go about doing that. Um, I suppose the the pertinent part of what he's asking there in his question is decent money. <laughs> now that's that's different from making some money <laughs> from making <laughs> you know uh, of still getting food on the table. Um, in terms of making decent money, I think you probably would need to speak to somebody, not me. <laughs> um, as Graham alluded to earlier, that is. Um, you know, I, uh, it, you know, it's something that I need to survive. We all, we all need to survive. But um, really, I do this for the love of of shooting, um, shooting in general and uh, analog specifically because just because I love it and I love that. Um, you just don't get that feeling. For, I don't think with other types of photography, you know, when you see somebody, you know, pretty much on the verge of tears when they're seeing their first wet print ever you know appear it like magic in front of their eyes I mean that's a really special feeling and I can't put that into words you know um it's uh, it's something very very special about that and that's why I do what I do you know seeing kids going oh are you a, are you a scientist are you an artist are you you know an engineer and I'm like yeah actually I'm all of these things which is which is very cool to be able to say that um and uh yeah it makes me very happy doing what I do um the reality is yes it's very tough but if you're passionate, committed and, you know, dedicated to doing that, there's no reason why you can't do it. All right. That is a marvellously positive thing to say. Thank you. And yeah. I, and I'm sure that'll give Mark some inspiration as well. OK. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. There are our shout outs. Uh, apart from one last thing, and this is uh, a call to action for all our listeners <laughs> that we are doing. We're going to do every week for the next couple of weeks uh, until we actually put the show together that it promises. So this is our call for gadgets. Uh, we talked about this last week, Rachel, and me about you know, a couple of little gadgets. We mm-hmm. 
we talked about um and uh do, do we need to apologize to hamish mm. <laughs> i don't oh. think so nah, it'll be all right nah. it'll be fine anyway so uh we um were talking about uh gadgets uh last week and we decided on the spur of the moment that we were going to put together a sunny 16 podcast gadget show uh one-off special episode uh, and we are inviting all of our listeners to send us details of their favorite gadgets now we're not interested in lenses and we're not interested in cameras uh these what we're trying to get to is is something slightly less mainstream the sort of things that you know you really you know uh, are found to be incredibly useful they may not be naturally phot- photographic things but could be really helpful uh you know whatever it might be um send us a a, a little note uh preferably a sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com send us a little email and we will collect uh, a bunch of listener uh, well, ad- advice, I suppose, mm. as much as anything, uh, on good gadgets that could come along, and uh, that will give us the opportunity to do uh, a proper show with uh, a good number of gadgets in it, and that will, uh, well, I don't know, maybe by the time we get to doing it, it'll be almost Christmas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But we'll try and do it before that. Try and do it in the next two or three weeks or so. We'll do that show. So, uh, but meanwhile, okay, so this is a um, little bit of insight here, listeners, into uh, the bits of the show that normally get edited out. But uh, Graham has just <laughs> popped a little URL into the, our show notes. And I'll just read you part of, the, part of the URL. It says, Patchwork Dungarees Jumpsuit Overalls. <laughs> There's a very good reason for this, because obviously as a listener to last week's show and thoroughly enjoyed it, um, mm. the, the the thing that leapt out at me and, you know, to the point where it even became the show title is that Rachel's um, anguish at not being able to get hold of, you know, clothes with pockets in. And I was listening, think, thinking, well, dungarees, Rachel, just wear dungarees. <laughs> and and so, you know, I, I found these lovely patchwork dungaree jumpsuit overalls on Etsy for you. And wow. You and you know what amazes me? We're talking about making money and doing analog crafty stuff. Uh, fungarees, why is nobody making fungarees? Um, apparently they are, but they're, they're some sort of pants, um, uh, boxer shorts. Um, I, what? I've never heard of that. No, no, neither one. Anyway, um, but yeah, there you go, Rachel. Dungarees got nice right. big pockets. They're practical. Uh, so stylish. So Do you know, you'll be pleased to know that I am actually wearing a dress with two big pockets on today. I found one. Hurrah! Um, so uh, I've worn that specifically, and I will be wearing it at the weekend because I'm going to be shooting the wedding. And I was like, right, I've got pockets. I can put stuff in the pockets. There we go. Awesome. Well, you mm. can always make yourself one of those. Um, or. I things like this. Chewbacca wears to put film in uh, the bandolier uh, film yeah, that would be pretty cool that sounds good yeah I quite like that idea <laughs> <laughs> fabulous well thank you very much for that Graham it's uh, it's a treat for the eyes <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're quite special those aren't they they really are they lovely. sure are <laughs> I'll make sure that URL gets in the show notes then so for everybody's delight right um, I think uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show um, I, I'm not sure any of us can handle any more hilarity for a monday evening <laughs> recording session um hopefully uh the uh, all of that will come out uh to listeners on thursday as usual uh with a benefit this week of, of another graham edit so hold on to your hats people this is some special creative stuff none of my boring dull stuff 
you can get in touch with us on the internet as always uh sunny 16 podcast is the name of the game here on and on instagram you will find graham on twitter graham you will find me and on facebook graham Rach, are you looking after Facebook? I am, I am, absolutely. I'm there, I've been chatting to a few people, we're starting to see photos of cameras that people are using for the Cheap Shots Challenge, so keep those coming in. Very exciting to see what they've got there. Excellent, okay, we have a Facebook presence, yeah, we're growing up. Let's leave that. Anyway, <laughs> right, you can also share your po- uh, your photographs with us uh, in our Flickr group, Sunny16 Podcast, and uh, as uh, we have asked for through the gadget call uh you can email us at sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com and we always love hearing from you whichever platform you choose to use uh, we like to say thanks every week to chris at pixelatedphotographer.com home of the forums uh, and home of the podcast itself and of course we like to say thank you to every week to Rocha who provide our music um, that's the music you normally hear who knows what Graham's going to edit into this show this week <laughs> I did like I did like the effects though the other week mate when you when you did the, that edit uh, I was quite impressed by that quite impressed oh, you know what? This, that's a good time aid because it was mentioned on I saw on Twitter uh, I accidentally stumbled onto Twitter and it was suggested I think by M that for um the bits where we, on the rare occasions where we need to bleep out swears and cusses and other bad words, that what we should use is um, shutter sounds or other analog camera sounds. So I, I want to throw out a, a shout out to people because you've all got lovely, wonderful cameras. If you've got something that sounds awesome, then record the shutter sound of your camera or the flash sound or something, you know, anything you want to, and send the little um, audio file. You can do it on your phone. That's fine. Send an audio file to us at Sunny16Podcast, and I build up a little library of um, sounds to cover cusses uh, and, you know, and other fun things, I'm sure. An expletives like library. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like good fun yeah absolutely so uh where did we get to you interrupted me <laughs> should we it. just close the show let's just sod it just leave it all in right okay thank you very much for listening folks um we're falling apart here so i'm just gonna say goodbye <laughs> bye goodbye. bye bye <laughs> Uh. I think that's the most raggedy of ever <laughs> endings ever. It'll oh do. my god! <laughs> no, Rach, it's just the most raggedy of endings that you've ever heard. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> So, which means that I don't know what that means. Where was I going with that? It means that all these bits are being left in. I mean, it means that for a start. Oh, no. uh, okay, right. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>